during this season, during Christmas, why we celebrate Christmas. And of course, the first week we talked about that he is our hope. We have hope because God has come to us. The next week we talked about peace. Because we have that hope, we can have peace because God is with us. And then last week we talked about joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Because we have hope, we have peace, we can have joy. Today we're finishing up Advent with love, and I loved loved how um, our worship team sang the song about his love. You know, and we know the scripture in John 3, 16, we all can say it, for God so loved the world that he gave. This morning as I was, or this week as I was just praying and seeking God, Lord, what is it that you have to say to us about your love for us? And I believe that in Ephesians chapter 3, and in verses uh, 14 through 20, Paul, as he was writing to Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, he said it so well, and then the Passion Translation just clarifies it even more for us. So I just want to wash you this morning with this word of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 14, it begins in the Passion Translation. Paul is praying for the church, and he says, So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Yeah. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions, how deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement Hmm. that transcends all our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power is constantly energizes you. Amen. 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 Good word. Thank you, sweetheart. Good. So this last week, we had the opportunity to gather pastors from all around the communities here to, uh, at our farm, and um, we take some time to fellowship with them and to celebrate the holidays with them, and, and uh, I think we had like maybe 10 or 12 pastors that were there, plus their wives all come, so that's a lot of folks, but um, it's a, uh, it was just such a great time, and one of the pastors I'd asked to do a devotional 
Pastor Lyle, at the, um, who is our friend over here at Wheeler Free Methodist, um, brought a devotional, and he was talking about how that his favorite movie is this movie called That Thing You Do. How many of you have seen that movie, know what that is? And uh, it's a movie with Tom Hanks, and it's about a, a band that didn't exist called The Wonders uh, that actually, uh, but it's a story about how that they have a one-hit song that, you know, takes off in the charts. But there's a point in the movie where right in the middle of the movie that the drummer, who was a really a replacement drummer uh, for the original, he is um, he's sitting at the drums, and they're sitting there practicing, and their song is taking off, and he he asked this question to the group. He said, how did we get here? How did we get here? And, uh, you know, the, and it, really, it really struck a chord with me when he said that because I think of so many things in my life, Sharon's life, that we have to ask, you know, the way we plan things is not the way that things turned out. How many of you found that to be true in your life? You, you make plans and prepare, and I believe in planning and preparing, but things don't always go the way that we plan for them to go. And so all of a sudden, you know, the, the, these guys who were just enjoying playing music, they become a hit and become very well known. Well, I think that that's the truth about Mary and, uh, you know, and Joseph as well. That's their story. Um, you know, the Bible says that Mary, when all these things were happening, when the shepherds were coming and different things were happening, that she was pondering all these things in her heart. And I think that's where that place maybe you could put in there. She's asking, how did I get here? How did I get here? What happened? And, uh, you know, that's kind of I think the mystery of the season that we're in. Mysteries are important, I believe, in our lives. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they're, they're important for us because a true mystery is an unpredictable, it's unpredictable what's going to happen. You don't know how it's all going to work out. And Sharon and I, we love to watch mysteries. We like Sherlock Holmes and we like, you know, other mysteries. She likes, I don't watch Murder, She Wrote and all that stuff, but Sharon will watch all of that. And uh, because, she, because of this, the idea of something that you might think is going on, you're trying to figure out what's going on in this story, what's happening, who did it, what's, what's taking place here. And I think that's what was happening with Mary is, is that she's pondering all these things in her heart, wondering what in the world is going on here? How did we end up here? We had planned our lives out. We had thought marriage and family and you know, and in and, and, and and, and not God showing up in the midst of this and changing all our, even though our plans will come to pass, that they won't be exactly like what we thought they would look like, that we actually will be responsible for raising the Son of God in our home. Wow, what a responsibility, huh? I think you would deal with parental guilt, wouldn't you? That you're like, are we doing a good job here? The mystery, our lives in so many ways are unpredictable in what's going to happen. You know, I was thinking this year, you know what, when we think about Christmas, what would you, if you were going to have the perfect Christmas, what would it look like? Would it look like a foot of snow on the ground? Would it look like, you know, um, everybody's playing nice together at your home, right? Or you got all the gifts that you wanted or that there wasn't a windstorm that knocked all your decorations over, what would, you predict, what would you want to have happen if you were trying to predict that this is what I expect? And I think that's part of the problem we deal with in the holidays is that 
because we set these expectations that we want and in the midst of that, we're realizing we really don't have any control over what's going on in those expectations, that things aren't really turning out the way that we wanted and uh, that things can actually go catastrophic at times in our lives when we're, you know, a tire can blow out and take our, and wreck our budget or uh, for holiday shopping or the, the hot water heater goes out, just things that can happen or the cat knocks the tree over, for those of you that have cats in the house, and uh, just the things that, that, uh, that can take place. Because of that, I think that one of the issues that we have to deal with is, is that certainty can definitely become an idol to even God's people, wanting certainty, that we want everything to be that we know exactly what's going to happen next, what's next. And we live with that certainty. I'm going to be doing a program with uh, my pastor, Mark Barkley, here uh, soon where we do a couple of shoots on uh, that will be on his uh, all over the net, different networks. Victory, I think, is, carries it. Some others do. About I predict, okay, I predict. The thing is, is that, you know, a lot of times with things that I predict, we still have input to be able to change the way that things are going, Right? We still have a way that we can change. It's not necessarily that those things absolutely have to happen. We can actually change those things by changing our hearts and doing the right things to make those things change. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 16 talks about this great mystery. It says in verse 14 of the Message Bible, Paul said, I hope to visit you soon, but just in case I'm delayed, I'm writing this letter so you'll know how things ought to go in God's household. This God-alive church, this bastion of truth, this Christian life is a great mystery. Interesting, isn't it? This Christian life is a great mystery. It's a great mystery, far exceeding our understanding. Boy, don't we all want to have some, a, a faith that we can understand completely, like revelation of everything that we understand it all. But the truth is, our Christian life, what happens in our life? Remember, my story, I, Sharon and I, we sit back, how did we get here? I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to go leave the mission field. I didn't want to, but God had a plan in the midst of that. And I can sit there, sit here now almost 50 years later and go, how did I get here? We lived comfortably in our nice little house in Breckenridge, and now we live on a farm. How did we, how, what happened what happened here? What, how did we get in this place? <clears throat> and I'm sure you can look at your life right now and that same kind of thing. How did, how did we get in this place where we're at right now? How did we get to this place in our faith where we're at right now? It's, he goes on and says, this Christian life is a great mystery. It far exceeds our understanding, but some things are clear enough that he appeared in human body. So he says, look, we'll make these things clear. He appeared in human body. He was proved right by the invisible spirit. He was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among all kinds of peoples, believed in all over the world, taken up into heaven, into heavenly glory. The mystery that he says, he says, look, this Christian life is a mystery, but these are the certain things that we know. These are the things that we can, that we can focus on. You know, I love watching holiday movies. I'm sure most of you watch something, you know, some. You have your favorites. If you really look at the ones you really, really love, the ones that really speak to you, that in the midst of those movies, chaos totally breaks out or a problem is happening. 
And it's in the midst of that problem when things don't go as people had planned that it's in the midst of that problem that people finally come down to the root reason that they celebrate Christmas. And when they come, it's like the Grinch. You remember the story of the Grinch that stole Christmas. I know everybody knows the Dr. Seuss story. And you know that the Grinch assumes that everybody in Whoville is that the reason that Christmas is all about eating the big meal, getting everybody together to give gifts to one another, and putting up decorations, correct? That's what he thinks in his head. But you have a paradox there because a paradox is two things beside each other that are not in agreement and that, that, that are not the same. The Whoville people, even though they do all of those things, it's rooted out of their belief in what Christ, in Christ's coming into this earth. In fact, they sing a song about, how, about Christ coming in the actual, the original Grinch that stole Christmas. Now, what happens is that when the Grinch steals everything, as you remember, takes all the food, takes all the trees, he thinks he's destroyed Christmas for these people. But the truth is, what happens is when it's all gone, he hasn't been able to get their hearts, and so they still celebrate for the very reason that they do all the other stuff. I think in life, that's the mystery of it all, is, is that sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the cookies and the stuff that we're trying to do that when it's all taken away, then we've got to come back to the root reason, right? The root reason. Even Clark Griswold figured it out in Christmas Vacation at the end, right? He figures it all out, even though everything else has gone crazy, he figures it out that it's all about Christ's coming. I mean, he doesn't make a bold declaration like that, but he, but he talks about the star, about the star of Bethlehem. And so when we, when we think about what happens, this mystery that we have, we understand that mysteries create uncertainty in us because we can't predict how this is all going to play out. There are a lot of things we believe that we don't understand. I mean, I've heard a lot of people try to explain the Trinity. Great theologians try to explain that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But when it's all done, it's still a mystery. How that you can come to an altar and give your life to Christ, and on the outside you look exactly the same, but somehow on the inside you're a new man or woman. That's a mystery, wouldn't you agree? How that Jesus Christ came in the form of a baby grew up, and I, mean, I have a lot of questions about I, There's a lot I don't understand about all of that. And so when we talk about that, Christ, the, that God, who preexisted, came in the form of a baby in, in the earth, he's raised on this earth, does no miracles till after he's baptized. He's very knowledgeable in the truth. At the age of 12, he's in the temple. He's actually talking to the, the scribes and the Pharisees there and, and the priests and sharing the word with them. But how that... In all of that, he is both fully God and he is fully man. They call it the hypostatic union. That's a real fancy word for fully God, fully man, okay? Now, you could try to explain that, but it's going to be impossible to explain it because it will always be a mystery to us. But I question the reality, us as believers, if we have to have a faith that we completely understand. Is that really faith if we completely understand everything that's going on? I bet you right now have questions in your life right now about what's going on around you. You might even be asking that question I talked about a little earlier. How did I get here? How did we get to this place to deal with this doctor's report or to deal with this 
family situation or to deal with this financial issue that we're dealing with? How did we get to this place? Mysteries create uncertainty in us, and they do create in us a longing for things to be predictable. When? We always want to know when. When, God? When is this going to happen? When is it going to change? When is it going to get better? When am I going to feel better? When are they going to straighten up? When is this all going to work? If you just tell me when, I'm going to be okay if I just know when. And if you don't mind, I'd like to know how, too. That would help a little bit. So when you're going to do it and how you're going to do it. And we, we had a prophetic word last year, and I still focus on this, that God never tells you when. So it's still a mystery, isn't it? He says, look, train your children up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. But he doesn't tell us how old or is old. It's... We have no predict. We the only thing that we can trust in is what He has said in His Word, and so it creates in us that we want to know, God, when are you going to? How long? The, the psalmist even said it. How long, O oh Lord? How long? How much longer do I got to put up with this? Job said it. How much longer do I got to go through this? How much longer? Because if I know there's an end date here, okay. Then I'll be cool. I'll be, I know it's going to get better. I know when it's all going to happen. And if you tell me how, then I'll be good because I know that you've got a plan for all of this. Well, here's the really cool thing about God. He doesn't tell you anything about when. He doesn't tell you anything about how. And what he really is expecting you to do is to learn about who he is and what he is possible of doing. Now, that may, not sell, that may not settle for us the when and the how, but what it does for us is it settles within us a relationship with the one that we have expectation in. That can be really challenging for us, can it? Because we believe in a God that we cannot see. I mean, we, we know he's there. We talk about him in church. We talk about his presence. We talk about the Holy Spirit. The tangible things, the things that, you know, and sure there are moments that we have things where goosebumps hit us or we can feel the presence of the Lord or God touches us and it's just an absolutely miraculous thing or something that we couldn't understand before all of a sudden becomes really clear to us. But the majority of our Christian faith is trusting in a God and trusting in our God who we're just having to trust in because we don't know always when he's going to do things or even how he's going to do things. But we like predictability, and it's a mystery. And he tells you in that verse, he says, look, I know that you live a mystery. Your Christian life is a mystery. You don't understand. You know, and these guys, you know what he's talking, when Paul's sharing this, I mean, we're talking about Roman oppression, which is far greater than our governmental oppression. And I mean, they're oppressing the people, taxing the people like crazy. And I mean, it's a horrible lifestyle. But he says, look, these are the things that are clear enough that he appeared in a human body, God has come. We don't know how, we don't, we, we don't know how that could be, but we know he did. We don't know how he did it. I mean, we have some thoughts about what happened. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she was pregnant. And, but we don't know, we don't have all the answers to it, but yet we believe in what he has said. He appeared in human body. He was proved right by the invisible spirit because he flowed in the gifts and the, the workings of God. He was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among all kinds of peoples. 
believed in all over the world and taken up into heavenly glory. Hallelujah. The mystery. I love what John Wooden, who's one of my favorite basketball coaches of all time, taught his UCLA team. He said, don't let what you can't do stop you from what you can do. Don't let what you don't understand stop you from what you do understand. And that could be a problem whether we're believing for healing or financial breakthrough or it can be when we're dealing with a family situation. We have to be very careful because we can start letting what's not happening begin to dictate how we're believing. And the truth is, look, your faith should stay untainted no matter what's going on around us in our circumstances. Because when we get to the core issue, we remember that God is still with us. When we get to the core issue, remembering that, look, he came. We don't understand how he did it all and how he was the hypostatic union, but we know he was here. He walked the face of this planet. He died on a cross. He shed his blood, and then he rose from the dead for you and I after three days. So we can rest in the certainty of what, has, what he has done knowing even though there are a lot of things that we don't know how they're all going to work out. The only predictability you and I have is the Word of God. That's the only predictability we have. Isaiah 46.10 in the Message Bible says this, from the very beginning, telling you what the ending will be, all along letting you in on what is going to happen and assuring you I'm in this for the long haul and I'll do exactly what I set out to do. I love that verse. And, but, but think about what he just said there, okay? We've got that up. You've got most of it up there. I'll do exactly what I set out to do. Can you back that all the way up, Greg, to the beginning of it? All right, from the very beginning, telling you what the ending will be. That is exactly what God does to us. He tells us what the end will be. He, he doesn't talk to you about your sickness. He talks to you about your health. He doesn't talk to you about your poorness. He talks to you about your prosperity. So he tells you the end. But he doesn't tell you what's going on in between the beginning and the end. <laughs> he says, I tell you, I, from the very beginning, I'm telling you what the ending will be. This is what's like. This is what I'm going to do. And all along, I'm letting you in on what's going to happen. This is going to happen. But there it is again. He's not saying when. And I'm assuring you you got to trust me. I'm in this for the long haul, and I'll do exactly what I set out to do. And man, if he would have just put the word tomorrow, right? Man, you'd be shot. People would be shot. Oh, glory to God. It's happening tomorrow. My miracle will be here tomorrow. But then you begin to trust in tomorrow more than you trust in God. You begin to trust in time more than you trust in truth. Wow. You guys get the deep stuff in this service, so I'm just telling you. Psalm 119, verse 89 says this, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119, 105, in the Legacy Bible says, Your words are a flashlight to light the path ahead of me, keeping me from stumbling. I can see right ahead of me where I need to go next, but I don't see further down the road where I need to be. I just know that's where I'm going to get to. And so I have to trust you, Lord. The life of faith is not being able to predict how every day, week, and year will go. 
but knowing the one who holds the future. One time I was really struggling. I went to my pastor and I said, look, you've had so many things that have happened to you, so many bad things that have happened, so many lies that have been told about you. You've had uh, major financial crises that you've had to deal with in your ministry. You've had people that rose up and took people from the church and went and started their own ministries. I said, how, how, do, you, how do you keep getting up and preaching the word and looking and acting like everything is going to be fine and that everything is okay. And uh, he said, well, because there's a verse that I stand on. I'm going to give this to you. I think it'll help you. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 22, the Apostle Paul said, and now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Wow. I mean, wouldn't you be thinking twice about going if you knew that was what was going to be happening? You'd be like, you know, I mean, he actually had a prophet that came up to him, a guy by the name of Agabus, and said, he who wears this belt will be bound and held in, in, in Jerusalem when, he go, when you go there. He was like, Okay. And the people said, don't go, don't go, don't go. All the people that loved Paul said, don't go, don't go. Why would you go? Why would you do that? Why would you go there and know that this is what's going to happen? And he said they wept over him, and that's when we're getting to in this particular passage. And he said, look, I know what's going to, these are the things that are going to happen there. But he said in this next verse, but none of these things move me. Let me ask you a question. What's moving you in your faith right now? What's moving you in your faith right now? What circumstance are you dealing with in your life right now that's moving your faith? Moving it in the wrong direction. Moving it into doubt. Moving it into fear. What's moving you? See, Paul said, I'm not denying all these things aren't, haven't happened. He didn't say, I'm not, you know, we're not living in denial here. He said, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so I can finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Wow. I said, Pastor, how do you do that? He says, well, I just go to that verse and remind myself that it's not about me, it's about Jesus Christ. See, it's, it's in, I want you to think about times in your life when you've dealt with crisis. I promise you when you dealt with crisis after you got through the boo-hooing and all the other stuff that goes, and it does, and the anger and frustration, it all came back to a central truth that you held on to. It wasn't a lot of fluff. It was just a basic truth that you held on to about God in your life and about his presence. I think that, that part of what happens for us, and, and even in the holidays, and like I said, was talking about earlier, um, that we get so focused on everything else that when it is in chaos, maybe that's where, not that God's causing the chaos, but that God is trying to get us back to the central focus of what this is really all about, and that is that the Son of God came into this world to seek and save what was lost, and that really it's not about the gifts and the presents, though those are all nice things, like the people of Whoville, that the real reason that we do all of this, and that's what changed the heart of the Grinch, right, in the end, was because he realized it wasn't any of that stuff. Look, our gifts and our Christmas events and all the things that we do, and I loved our play, but that's not going to win the world to Christ. 
what wins the world to Christ is the basic simplistic message of who Jesus is, what Jesus have, has, and what Jesus will do for every person that calls upon his name. Amen? We like predictability. I do, you do. You know, I've been amazed at how many Christians are actually running to get their palms read and look at tarot cards and, and evil stuff, wicked stuff that's forbidden. It's witchcraft. They're looking to horoscopes for answers. You know, I have stuff that shows up on my timeline from time to time, not very much, but it'll be something from some horoscope thing that will show up and say, today, if you're a whatever, this is what you need to do. See, they're trying to, it's those predictive, that's the devil trying to predict. God doesn't use the stars to predict your future. God gives you his word to predict your future. When you start meddling into witchcraft, you're meddling in rebellion and evil. And you need to stay away from it. I didn't mean to get into, I didn't plan on getting into that, but I'm, I'm not in charge this morning. I'm just in sales, not in management. We become arrogant and self-sustaining when we have an illusion of control, the illusion of control, don't we? We become arrogant and self-sustaining, which eventually will lead us to boredom in life. It really does. When we feel like we have everything under control, we're going to get bored with life and start looking for new ventures. It's the chaos of life that keeps life exciting, I promise. I know it doesn't sound exciting, but it's the chaos and stuff, the things that aren't planned, that become the most memorable in your life. You know, I think about our Christmas Eve services. Man, we've had great Christmas. I mean, powerful, where we've had people saved and it was so awesome, so many people that have filled the building, and it was just absolutely tremendous. But the ones that stick out to me are the ones that were the craziest, right? The one where the woman's hair got set on fire by her husband with a candle. Or the one where the, we were trying to pull it. Chuck is, I still can see Chuck up here. The, 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 the choir is up here, and, and Chuck's leading. He's worked so hard on this choir. And little Lexi Rose faints and falls out on the floor during the song. And, you know, Chuck, in his great mercy, yells at the choir, keep singing, keep singing, while her dad and some others are trying to risk. Some of you were here that night when that happened. I mean, the whole service went down the tubes. I, I, well, I, I told people, I said, don't, don't hold this against us. This isn't normally how it is. But, it was, but look, what one do I remember? That one, right? Because that was the craziest one, unpredictable. Nancy Wood, who just went home to be with the Lord here last week, Nancy was supposed to sing that night in the service, and she brought this cassette tape that was, it was so old, and it wouldn't work in our system right, and so the, the, the speed of it was going up and down, and she was trying to keep, and Nancy was a, a great country gospel singer, and uh, she got the Gospel Singer Award for the state of Michigan at one point, and uh, oh my gosh, it was like the worst song you ever heard in your life. In fact, it was so funny that we had one of our friends was in the service and they looked at, looked at um, my, my daughter and said, do they just let anybody sing here? <laughs> well, it sort of felt that way that night, didn't it? I mean, it was just an absolute, it was just an absolute disaster, everything that happened. But that's what you remember, see. It's in the midst of that chaos. And when we would get, and, and, it, and it, look, it made the next year when everything went great so much better, awesome, you know. But I don't even remember what happened the next year. I just remember what happened that year. 
It's in the midst of that chaos. It's like that illusion of control. Maybe what God is calling us all to do is just to get into a place at Christmas where we surrender ourselves to really what the mystery is all about in this. That he was manifested in the flesh. That he was manifested in the flesh. I like what Andrew Murray said. God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life that is wholly yielded to him. Oswald Chambers said, Jesus Christ demands that you risk everything you hold by common sense and leap into what he says. Christ demands of the man who, tr- who trusts him the same reckless spirit that is daring enough to step out of the crowd and bank his faith on the character of God. Uncertainty creates stress. We get stressed when we're in uncertainty, when we don't know how things are going to work out or what's going to happen. Now, I remember last year, we had a terrible wind and snowstorm on Christmas Eve, and it was brutal. And like about an hour before the service, Greg got his car stuck in the driveway, and I'm starting to scramble in my thinking, how do we get out of this? What are we going to do? I mean, I'm going to call Chuck and tell him, get us. well, Chuck was gone. He was in Texas. Call Stevie and say, Stevie, get a sermon ready because you're preaching tonight. Then the thought came, well, cancel the service. You just need to cancel it. It's bad weather. And uh, so I was ready to cancel the service. And, uh, and then I thought, no, you know, if 30 people show up, then that's people that came out on that night for Christmas Eve candlelight. I'm going to be there. So we dug Greg out, and I'm out in my, you know, sweating like crazy before the service, digging him out of the driveway. We get him out of the driveway, get in the vehicle and come, and there's 225 people here in the building that night. I'm thinking, who's coming out on a night like tonight? Everybody, right? It's not predictable. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. You, you can't predict those kinds of things, but it created stress. I walked in here sweating like crazy. I couldn't, you know, I'm one of those people when, you, when I start sweating, I don't just like turn it off. I mean, I can take a shower and it still doesn't turn off. And so I'm still sweating. I'm sweating in my clothes. I walk in. I'm under stress for what's going on and the environment that we're in. But look, when we come in here, even though you have all that uncertainty and stress, it was an exciting night. It was an exciting night. And what God did in this place that night, the people that gave their lives to Christ that I had never met before, never seen in this church before, that God miraculously touched. God calls us to surrender to the mystery of godliness, Jesus Christ. There is a light that shines in the darkness, is what the scriptures tell us. To receive that light, we have to yield to that light, what Christ has done for us, what Christ has done for us. I wonder this year where you are today in in, in accepting the mystery of Christ, the mystery of what we believe. Are you one of those who's at that place, like, I just need to know when and how, and I'll be good once I know that? Well, let me tell you, you never know. You're not going to know. But what you are responsible for and what you're given free access to, and this is the real power of it, is that you can know the who and the what. You can know who he is and what he will do, what he has and what he's made available to you and I. When you and I make that choice in our life and we say, look, I'm done worrying about the, I'm not in control I am not in control. Say that with me. I am not in control of when.
Uh, some of you, it was a little hard to say that. So let's say it again. I am not in control of when. I am not in control of how. I'm not. I am in control of who? I am in control of what? I understand about him. Amen. Stand up with me if you would. Father, tonight, or this morning, excuse me, I know I felt like I preached a long time. <laughs> Father, I know for all of us, there are some area, Lord God, where we might have just great uncertainty right now. Lord, just uncertainty about the future. But Lord, I think about that Gaither song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know that he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Now Lord, may that message transcend into every area of our lives where we're believing and trusting you. Lord, where we are looking at things in our life and we just, we don't have, we don't have an answer. We just can't answer that. We don't know. We know that you didn't take that loved one, Lord. We know that you didn't, that you didn't need another angel in heaven. We know, Lord God, that you, we know you. We know who you are. We know we know, Lord God, what you do. We know that you are not a killer of people. We know, Lord God, that you didn't give us this, the, the cancer or, or give cancer to that loved one that we're believing. You, we know, Lord God, because we know what. We know what your character is and your nature is, that every good and perfect gift comes down. We know, Lord God, you didn't make our water heater go out or, or make our car die. Or We know that's not you because, Lord, we, we know you. And, Lord, we know that anything that's happening in our lives, Lord God, that you're going to work through that and take us to a better place. Not a worse, as long as we don't allow ourselves to get in a worse place. Because of who you are and because of what you do. Lord, we might be in our lives this morning saying, how did I get in this place in my life right now? And Lord, so, sometimes we ha looking retrospectively, we don't even, Lord, we don't even know how we got here until we start thinking about, God, how you guided us all along to the right people at the right places at the right time and sometimes in the worst of circumstances. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord God, for your word. That, Lord, you've already told us the end in the beginning. That when we're in that sickness, Lord God, you already told us health in the end. Lord, when we look at, when we look at uh, loss in our lives, Lord God, you talk to us about prosperity in the end. So the, the end of the journey, Lord God, the end of the path, Lord, we already see that. And Lord, may we learn in our lives to trust you 
and enjoy the journey instead of gripe about the journey. And enjoy the moment as we spend with the manifested glory of Christ Jesus in our lives that's, Lord, declared this weekend. Father God, may we fully find that joy once again in our lives, that central focus of a relationship with you. I thank you for it, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now listen, before Chuck comes, or Dakota, or whoever's coming this morning, I had something about a shoulder deal um, in the Spirit that just the Holy Spirit spoke to me about. And uh, somehow you did something to your shoulder. You're having pain. Difficult to sleep at night because of the pain that you're dealing with in that shoulder. And uh, would you allow us this morning uh, to pray? For, is there any, any, I don't normally do it like this, but let's have the prayer team come. Is there anybody dealing with any thing with your shoulder? Doesn't necessarily have to be, you are. What did you do? You fell, okay. And uh, so you have trouble sleeping or no or yeah or sometimes because of that. How long ago was it? Last week. All right. Thank you, Father God. Chuck, lay hands on him if you would and uh, on that shoulder. Thank you, Father God. Jesus, we thank you. You know, healing is the children's bread. This is the child of God. Thank you, Father God. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly the spot that I had. Thank you, Father. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Father. Yeah. I just command every tendon to come back into alignment and attach in the name of Jesus. Thank you for it, Father God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It's all right. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Yeah. So let me just say this to you, Gabe. You know the end, right? Now we know the end, right? This is done. It's over with. Amen. So we're just going to rejoice. Praise God and keep working it. All right. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a good hand. Amen.